0: Oh, man. Thank you so much this morning for that worship. How are you all doing today? You don't sound too convinced. (laughs) Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. And um, I want to make an announcement, uh, a twofold announcement, actually, before we go any further. If this Bible happens to look familiar to you, Please let me know and I'd be glad to give it back to you. But until you tell me, I'm going to keep using it because it's the perfect size to be preaching up here. So uh, I did find this in a stack of Bibles in the youth room is where it was located. So uh, if it belongs to you, please let me know. But no one seems to know who it belongs to so far. And with that, uh, we actually have found several personal Bibles around the church over the last couple weeks. And uh, here in about two weeks, we're going to put those back in the foyer here. And so if you look through those and one of them looks familiar, please go ahead and take it home with you. And if not, we're going to find a use for those because they're sitting there collecting dust and and somebody could use them. So um, if if you're missing a Bible, keep an eye out. And if you want to come by the church this week, we were already kind of setting those aside. So some of them are pretty nice, by the way, uh, some are pretty nice, a couple of parallel Bibles, uh, but they don't have names on them, most of them, you know what I mean? So we don't have a clue who they belong to. So we just want to be sure they get back to their homes if we can get them back there. So uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. And this morning is the beginning of a series of sermons called Choosing to Hope. And that phrase has been thrown around in our family quite a bit over the last several months. Uh, Even when we began to talk to the church here at Stonewall First Baptist, as we began to pray through the future and what God wanted us to do, uh, you know, I'll just be frank with you. um, You know, our last uh, church experience was not wholly bad by any stretch, uh, but there were parts of it, especially toward the end, that were quite difficult. And uh, as we began to feel God leading us away from the ministry into an uncertain time of Sabbath, not really sure what God was going to do beyond that, uh, we struggled a great deal with what the future of our family would look like. Like, what the, not that we were uh, not going to survive as a family. What would our family be doing uh, is what I was getting at. What the future of our family would look like. What the future of our ministry would look like. Uh, there were people in my community uh, there in Archie that were asking me, well, uh, so do you still believe in God? You know, and it's like, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that uh, that's not changing. My faith in Christ has not changed. Uh, just the circumstance that God wants us to be in right now is changing. And uh, I shared a little bit this week at some point, I don't remember if it was in a a post that I had put or a video that I put up or something of that nature, but uh, we never really left the ministry. Um, We stepped away from vocational ministry, if you will. I was not on a church staff. I did not have uh, the title, if you will, of pastor. Uh, But we continued to minister to people as God brought them our way and as we found people that that needed to be prayed with or or walk through things in life. Because frankly, uh, we don't stop being a Christian. Uh, It's something you can turn on and off. And all of us, remember, as Baptists, we should remember uh, that we are the priesthood of believers. We're called, all of us, to serve the Lord everywhere that we are all the time, Uh, whether it's in our families, our workplaces, whether it's in the schools, uh, wherever it is that we are. And so, uh, you know, as God has has restored our family and restored our faith in many ways, uh, you know, we have just continued to say, you know, this could be the outcome of this, but we're choosing to hope. This is what might come down the pike here, but we're choosing to hope. So about a week and a half ago, uh, we got a call from a realtor that wasn't very encouraging. <laughs> and we just prayed and we talked and we put the phone down. And we said, you know what, we're going to choose to hope that just as God has led us through every step of this transition, that he's going to walk us through this. And so far, so good, by the way. If you want to keep praying for about the next six days or so (laughs) that nothing terrible happens that would be wonderful Uh, we're supposed to close on our house on the 24th and so we're praising God for that and that'll be one thing that is it'll really kind of feel like we're actually here entirely (laughs) when we're not thinking about what's going on back in Missouri every time we see there's a thunderstorm in Harrisonville you know what I mean so uh, we would appreciate your prayers on that but we are choosing to hope and as a church I want us to, to make that decision I want us, as God's people at Stonewall First Baptist Church, when we encounter difficulties, to be able to say, you know, Lord, I'm going to choose to hope. I'm going to choose to hope. And I want to define what that means because we use so many words in English uh, with a lot of different meanings in a lot of different contexts. For instance, we talk about love. And, and all of you, if you've been a Christian long enough, a pastor's talked about how we say we love what? Well, we love our family. We love God. We love apple pie. Maybe we love golf or we love tennis or swimming or football or baseball. And we use the same word for everything. So we love our wife. We love, uh, you know, our hobbies. We love this. We love that. And we use that same word for everything. Well, we, we hope and we use that phrase hope a lot of ways. But really, I think that it has lost some of its freight and some of its potency in, in the way that we use the word hope. And we'll talk about that in detail here. But let's turn to Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. And I, I have it on the screen for those of you that would like to read it there, uh, but we'll go ahead and read it out of the scriptures as well. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Love one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you he will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for your word. And we pray, Lord, again, that you would illuminate your inspired word. That you would help us to behold wonderful things from your law. And that we would hide our word, hide your word rather, in our hearts that we may not sin against you. Lord, help us, Lord, to meditate upon your word day and night, that we be careful to do everything that is written in it, that we may be prosperous and successful in your sight, Lord, and the things that matter the most. We pray, Lord, that your word would be like a two-edged sword, Lord, a sacred scalpel dividing soul and spirit and joints and marrow down to the very thoughts and the intentions of our heart, showing us who you are and who we are before you. And we pray, Lord, that you would teach and that you would rebuke and that you would correct and that you would train us in righteousness for every good work for your kingdom's sake. And we ask this in the mighty name of the risen Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, so let's define hope. Hope. And what I want to do is I want to take a little tour through the book of Romans. Uh, This is an ancient manuscript of Romans. I cannot read it. Uh, If you can, I'm impressed. Maybe one day. Uh, But this is a portion of the book of Romans uh, in Greek. And in in Romans, what I noticed was there were 16 different appearances of the word hope, some of them in the same verse. And the the Bible has a lot to say about hope in general. But Romans, uh, I was surprised, actually. I did not realize how much of an emphasis there was on this idea of hope in the book of Romans. It It was everywhere. Uh, not in every chapter, but in a number of them. For instance, in in chapter four, it talks about how Abraham's hope uh, was in in God's promises and and how he was saved by grace through faith, just as we are, uh, saved by faith. In Romans chapter five, it talks about how we have hope in Christ for salvation and we have hope because of our salvation. In Romans chapter eight, of course, very famously, right? God works together all things for the good of those who love him and are called called according to his purpose. And there's a great deal. In that passage about the nature of hope And the effects of hope in Christ In Romans chapter 12 The Bible talks about how we have the joy That comes from hope It sustains us Because of the hope that we have in Christ and in God And then in chapter 15 About the endurance that hope can give us And how we know that there's encouragement in that Because ultimately we know who wins Ultimately we know how this works out I love the way that uh, one pastor said it years and years ago. He said, I I have a a Super Bowl. I can't remember what team it was. I think it was, well, I'm not even going to guess. And he had a a Super Bowl taped of his favorite team winning the Super Bowl. And he said, you know, I love to watch that tape over and over again. But he says, my my best part about it was is that I could fast forward to the end because in the middle of the game, apparently, there's a famous, if you were a football guy, you'd recognize what I was talking about. There's a famous moment in the game where it, it pivoted. In a big way. And his team ended up winning when it was absolutely certain they were going to lose the entire game. And he says the best part about that is I don't have any anxiety though because I can just fast forward to the end because I know the result. (laughs) I know who wins. And we in the same way as believers, we know who wins in the end. We do. Because Christ has already won. So we are victorious if we are found in Christ. But what do we mean when we say hope? What's that word mean for us as believers? Because people hope in all sorts of things. Somebody might say to you, well, we just have to have faith. We just have to have hope. Well, in what? What should we have hope in? What should we believe in? Who should we believe in? What does hope mean for us? Well, a lot of times it just means something like this, right? Just basically having our fingers crossed. That's what we typically use the word hope. Well, I hope it doesn't snow too bad today. Or I hope we don't get a tornado. Or, you know, maybe one guy is praying and he says, Lord, my crops could really use the rain. And there's a little boy somewhere and he's praying, Lord, this is the big day for the big game. I hope it doesn't rain. And somebody says, well, well, who answers that? Well, I say, you tell me <laughs> which prayer gets answered. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, we're not even going to go there. But anyhow. So, you know, we hope maybe maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. We hope maybe that we'll win the lottery. Right. You're Baptist now. Come on. Want to just leave that one alone for now? (laughs) Okay. Okay. We hope maybe that we'll get married one day. Right. Some of you may have more chance of one of those than the other. I'm not here to tell you what what that's about. But uh, you hope you're going to retire one day. One day that you'll you'll finally just get to kind of settle down and not have to run as hard. Right? Well, our hope is anchored in something better than anything the world can give. Our hope is anchored in someone greater than anything that the world has to offer. His name is Jesus. And what we find as we study the scriptures in general about the the topics of faith and the topics of hope is they're closely linked, more closely linked than I realized before I started digging into this. For instance, Hebrews 11.1, right? You you all know this one probably. Hebrews 11.1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. So what's faith? Somebody says. "What is?" Well, of course, we can elaborate. There's some more things that faith means. But, but at its core, the concept of faith is being sure that something we can't see is real. Or that someone that we cannot see is real. So we can't see heaven in this life. Some have. Paul has. and Others. But, but we probably are not going to see heaven in this life. But we believe that heaven is there. We've not seen God face to face, but we believe that there is a God and that he's personal and that he cares for us and that he sent his son Jesus, whom we also have never seen yet believe. Right? So faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Sometimes faith is calling into things, uh, calling things as as though they are, even though they aren't there yet already, believing with faith that God might save someone, for instance. And just coming to God repeatedly and saying, Lord, please, you know, Open this person's heart to the gospel because they need you. On the other hand, hope Romans 8, 24 and 25 says, For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has, right? So I don't hope that I have this presentation remote in my hand because I can look right here and I can see I have one right here. So I don't hope for that anymore. It's a reality. Just like faith, one day our faith will become sight. We won't have faith in heaven, Right? Why? We're not going to stop believing. We're going to see the reality that we believed all this time. We won't won't need faith in the same sense that we do now. How about this? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. So hope and faith have that same idea of what? They're closely linked. They work in concert. And and let's take a look at this idea, too, in in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, right? The big three, as it were. These three remain, which is what? Faith, hope, and love. So the greatest of these is love, but but hope is right there alongside it. So what, what faith means is to believe in what is unseen, to be sure of what is hoped for and certain of what is unseen. And what hope means is to have a confident expectation. And that's what I mean about the way that we use hope. Well, I sure hope that, you know, I hope that one day, I mean, we've been saying that thing uh, a lot lately, haven't we? We're hoping what? We're hoping this whole coronavirus, COVID thing is going to be over one day. And tomorrow wouldn't be a bad day, right? I mean, we're hoping for this whole thing to just be over. We're hoping to be able to walk through Walmart and not feel like we climbed a mountain. Because we've, you know, got a, a mask on our face or whatever the case may be, you know. We, we, we just want to be to the other side of, of this. We have hope of that. But, but that's, that's a, almost a different kind of hope than what I'm talking about. We can have hope that we're going to get through this, though. And that's the kind of hope that I'm talking about. So we have anxiety, for instance, and it's, it's not unreasonable. Other pastors are hearing the same thing. Well, I sure hope when we start Sunday school again, people come back. Okay, well, let me just talk about that very momentarily, okay? First way that you can make that hope a reality is by making some phone calls. <laughs> you can reach out to people in your Sunday school class. You can reach out to your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, and invite them to come to church. Instead of just hoping with your fingers crossed, in that kind of a lower idea of hope, you can put that hope into action and do something about it. And you can reach out to people. Not just your Sunday school teacher, not just your deacon, not just your preacher. And by the way, 74.8% of all statistics are made up, including that one. But... But when they talk to people who come to Christ through involvement in the church, you know what they find out? Your pastor can go out and invite about 100 people. I've heard different stories. I've heard one to 100, one to even 1,000 on a different seminar that I went to. But I think the best number is probably closer to one to 100. So for every 100 people that your pastor invites to church, if I go through the whole town and invite all 500 or so odd people in this community eventually five of them will come to church, statistically speaking. In other words, if somebody's saved, they're baptized, they join the church, they say, how did you get here, right? Something like one out of a hundred of those people came because the pastor or the youth pastor invited them to the church. But if a friend invites someone to church, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of one in 15 or one in 20 will come. And, and believe it or not, I, and Micah, maybe you could correct me on this sometime, but I want to say one time I even heard that with a youth One in five of their friends will come to church if they invite them. 20% of the time, on average, when someone says, as a teenager, I came to faith, they came because a friend of theirs, a peer, invited them to come to an event, to a church service, to a camp, whatever the case may be, and they found Christ. So have hope, but put some feet to those prayers and those hopes. Amen? You can be part of your church Recovering from this and, and, and being restrengthened. And so let's continue to pray about that and let's be careful about it. Now, also, though, uh, the the 1828 Webster's, which is great. I've, I've got the, the newer Webster's that my grandma got years ago. And then I've got one that we picked up when we were homeschooling. And it's the 1828 edition of, of the Webster's Dictionary. And one of the things that it talks about is what differentiates hope from wishing like throwing a coin in the well or just having a desire for something is the idea of expectation and the, the connotation of the word hope and, and, and hang on to this, okay? Because I, I we want to know what the Bible says, what what like the Greek word maybe says about hope, but it's very, very close. Uh, what Webster says is the connotation is a reaching forward. When I was at Appleton City, uh, the, the church basement there, uh, was was almost entirely windowless and what windows there were because it was a church were covered up in storage items. And so if you were down there in the dark and say you were about the middle of the basement and somebody didn't know you were there and they turned off the light, <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> now, there weren't there, it was just a giant rectangle, but somehow you would find one of those four pillars or one of those eight tables on your way out no matter how many times you'd been through there. I mean, I'd walk, I could walk through that building with my eyes closed, except for whatever reason, when I was in that basement, I would, I would always bump into something, but I knew where the switches were and I would reach out kind of in hope (laughs) that I was hitting the switch eventually so I could find my way out. Right. And so it's it's that same idea of reaching out into the future with a confidence that what God says is true, that we're not there by our, on our own. I, I hope I'm getting through this morning. Now, I want to be careful here in saying this, and I want to be careful how I say this, because I'm not trying to tell you to be cynical. There's already enough cynicism and discouragement and pessimism in this world. But I want to be clear about this. For us to have the right hope, we have to be willing to lose hope in some other things. Or perhaps more properly, to lose our hope in other things. Now, this is not an exhaustive list by any means, but, but to properly prepare ourselves to locate our hope where it belongs, we've got to let go of some things that we maybe hope in now. We need to lose hope, perhaps, in some things. Uh, I, I want to be careful again about how I say this, but C.S. Lewis talks an awful lot about the unbridled optimism of the world right before polio and then right before the First World War. And then the idea was that that everything was progressing. They were conquering polio gradually. Uh, They were conquering illnesses. They were, uh, you know, uh, industrialization had really taken hold. And and all sorts of exciting things were happening in the world. And and kind of the zeitgeist of the day was it can only get better from here. What what terrible thing could ever possibly slam the brakes? (laughs) Welcome to the First World War where all the mechanization and all the science and all those kind of things wrought horrible, horrible things on humanity. And then just as the world is catching its breath from that, other tragedies would come and then eventually you have kind of this little stretch of of golden road and then you have the Second World War and everyone at the end of the Second World War where Lewis is, is really located in his strongest suit is saying, what just happened to us? What just happened? The idea was things can only get better from here. What could ever possibly go wrong? Sinful humans can go wrong given the best situations. Now, again, that's not to make you question science or progress or or mechanical farming or something like that. I mean, those are all the kind of things, right, that were going on at the time. I'm just simply saying we have to be careful where we put our hope in. And, and, and the idea was just sort of this secular sort of hope that we were going to make heaven on earth by all of our progress. And some people still feel that way. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna misbehave just a little bit, okay? I'm sorry. I just, I just have to say this. I've struggled, throw How many of you hope in the government? Okay, I'll just move on to my next point. Um, <laughs> we maybe need to lose a little bit of our hope in 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 what the state can do for us. We need to maybe lose some hope even in what we can do for our selves why because we are imperfect and there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance and that's why I want to say I want to be very careful what I'm saying I don't want you to go around and think well I just can't do anything I don't shouldn't have any confidence or any hope in myself no no no. that's not what I'm saying at all but your ultimate hope cannot be in any of the things that I've mentioned and you could make a list We could go around and make a list of all these other things. You know, for instance, people say, well, you know, I hope that I'm going to get married one day. I hope that I'm going to have a great career one day. I hope that I'm going to get rich one day. I hope that I'm going to be famous one day. Okay, hope for some of those things. Work towards those things. But that cannot be your ultimate hope. Your ultimate hope has got to be in something beyond this world. Our ultimate hope must be In in Christ, because we have to be aware of disappointments that loom even in the best of circumstances. Paul goes on to put it this way in Romans 5 1 through 8. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, But we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. You see, just at the right time... When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So going back to that first one, just very quickly, since we are justified, Paul says, let us rejoice. We can hope in the glory of God and and our what? What can we hope in? We can hope in the glory of God and we can rejoice in, surprise, our suffering. Now that's weird at first read, isn't it? Do you, I mean, seriously, do you remember the first time you were reading the Bible and you read this passage or one of the similar passages that says, oh, you're suffering? Thank God for it. You're suffering? Rejoice in that. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Jesus says, and you read that, and you think, "Well, where can I sign up for that? Being sent out like sheep among wolves, you know, and and that sort of thing." That sounds like a really great plan. And then, as we begin to learn who God is and begin to see what God does through it, then we're not maybe as hesitant, even though we may not be looking for trouble. We might be seeking out those kind of things in our life because that's not that's not what He's talking about. But but look at the way that Paul breaks this down specifically in, in verses one or uh, verses five. 4 and 5, excuse me, of of chapter 5. Romans 5, 4, and 5. There we are. He says, perseverance builds character. And that character builds hope. By the way, one, one really cool thing about that word character is the same word in Greek that's used to talk about putting facets into a gem to make it more valuable. That's cool. If you think about that, that is really cool. Perseverance brings character. Character brings hope. And what does hope not do? Hope does not disappoint us. And I want to put in parentheses, not to add to the word of God, but I think it's because it reinforces what it says. Hope that is properly placed does not disappoint us. I have a friend. He's serving in a, in, in a ministry staff. And it's a, it's a larger church. And his uh, senior minister, not the the senior pastor of the church, but the senior minister of his ministry track was immediately removed from the ministry because of, of an impropriety. There's people all over that congregation, all over that community that are affected by that. And something like that is a constant reminder to me that I need to be careful who I put my hope in and who I put my trust in. Because there are people that if their pastor or their youth pastor or their music minister or someone like that in their life fails spiritually or ethically or morally, they falter. Because their faith is in a person and not in the Savior. And people are notoriously, notoriously unreliable (laughs) because we're sinners. Again, I'm not trying to beat up on the government all the time. Sometimes, (laughs) Sometimes, <laughs> occasion. I don't know, anyway. But, but really, truthfully, conservative or, or liberal or whatever, the truth of the matter is everybody, I think, kind of agrees right now that, that the government doesn't have all the answers. And there will never be a savior on Capitol Hill. Never. Amen. Never. We have one king. We are to fear God. And we are to honor the king, or in our case, the president, but we have one true Lord. And and we have to put our faith in him. Perseverance builds character, character builds hope, and hope properly placed does not disappoint us. Hope for salvation is there in verses 1 through 8. God's goodness in the here and now to us and in the hereafter to us is a promise. And something else we want to say about this idea of perseverance and character and so forth is, is something that I've heard a lot recently from a friend. that says, God never wastes a sorrow. So how does perseverance build character and character hope and so forth and, and to a hope that doesn't disappoint us? It's as we go through these things and God chisels away from us things that don't belong or strengthens in us the good things that God has invested in us through his Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit and so forth, what happens is we begin to see the truth of Romans chapter eight and the truth of Romans chapter five and the truth of James and other places in scripture that tell us that these trials that we're going through actually make us stronger and draw us closer to God and that they're not a waste. Now, I don't have all the physics worked out on this, but I went to a, an applied structural drying class one time and they talked about this thing called the Bernoulli principle that works on airplanes. And what you do when, when a building gets wet is you, you make a gap and you put these giant fans that push underneath that drywall so they push the water out. It displaces the water. That's the point of it. And, and so with a, with a bird or an airplane, as it's flying, there's pressure that's on top, but there's pressure that's underneath. And it's that resistance that allows the lift, the flight, to take place, right? Now, now, kind of put this into context spiritually, right? So the devil decides that he's going to throw something at you to mess you up. Maybe even this morning, right before church, the devil just threw something at you. There's two ways that can go. I promise I won't quote C.S. Lewis every week, probably about 50 weeks a year, though. He once said that these trials either make us monsters or better men. So if we, if we allow it to, things like COVID-19 and, and, and election years and, and whatever else can make us into monsters. Even the best of us can be corrupted down to the very fiber of our being. I mean, you say, well, that can't happen to me. It happened to Peter. It happened to David. It happened to many people. I mean, I I don't know. I I, I just see that in in, in Scripture over and over again that even the most well-intentioned of us in a weak moment can go the wrong way. And so if we're not careful, these things the enemy throws at us can corrupt us and can break us down. But if we properly locate our hope in Jesus... And we seek out God's help and we say, Lord, whatever's going on in this moment, I don't understand it. I don't even know the way through it to the other side of it. I may not even get through it entirely. But Lord, do your work in me and have your will and your way in me through this difficult time. And we'll see it lift us up and not tear us down. Emily Dickinson, I ran across this actually just last night as I was reviewing some things here. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul. And sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. It's persistent. I put the rest of that up on my Facebook this morning. I said, I I, I really like this idea that, you know, hope sort of stubbornly perches itself in our lives. And sings in spite of everything. So finally, Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer and that's actually the the main text for this morning that I I wanted to to, to close this with well first of all what does that mean well joy is, is not contingent joy is not dependent joy is independent of circumstances okay we're not joyful because of things we're happy because of things we're not joyful because of things we're joy in the midst of and through things joy is a gift from the spirit scripturally speaking in Galatians 5 Joy is given to us and sustains us. So we're to to be joyful because of this confident expectation that we have. That even though everything looks like it's going terrible here at halftime, we can fast forward to the end of the game and we see we win. Because he won. And that's good news. And that should give us hope. And so even though I joke with every Walmart checker, how are you doing? How's the end of the world treating you? <laughs> you know? Right? I try to always make sure I say when I'm done, God bless you. Because I want them to be thinking not about all the terrible circumstances in the world. And I joke because why? You got you to laugh or cry, right? I mean, seriously. But in the end, we want to point to Jesus. Boom. Oh. How did I get there? That's not supposed to be there. Hang on a minute. I'm still learning it. Just got it this week. There you go. Ah, there we are. Joyful in hope. Faithful, uh, excuse me. Joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. That's where I was trying to go. So uh, being joyful again, again, uh, being patient in affliction. Now, this takes a little more talent, I think, for me anyway. You've heard the, the great prayer of the great saint, Lord, give me patience and give it to me today, right now, please. Sometimes it takes a while, days, months, years, even a lifetime, right, to see something resolved. Not by show of hands, but just in your own heart. How many of you have a, a family member who's not where you hope they would be spiritually right now? How many of you have a friend that, someone that maybe was in your Sunday school class or was part of your church small group or part of your congregation that has gone by the wayside? And you think to yourself, Well, maybe this will last a short time, and now it's maybe been months, weeks, years. Who knows? How I many of you just kind of looking at your own life right now aren't exactly where you want to be? And I don't mean a best life now kind of way, but I mean, you're just thinking to yourself, I really want to be a, a better disciple. I want to be more prayerful. I want to be more giving. I want to be more graceful. I want to be more forgiving when people wrong me. I want to have better discipline in my prayer life. and in my, my I, want, I want to be more evangelistic and more bold in sharing my faith. Right. I mean, it doesn't always have to be a catastrophe, but but maybe you're just not where you want to be spiritually be patient with. (laughs) I had someone challenge me one time to be as patient with God as he is with me. (laughs) That was teachable moments right there. It was a teachable moment. Be patient, but do not despair. And finally, right, be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, and be what? Faithful in prayer. Again, not every affliction in your life is going to be resolved on this side of eternity. But in the meantime, what we can do is be faithful in prayer. And what's interesting about this, again, I had another light bulb kind of go off as I was was doing the study. Faith and hope are related, but have you ever noticed how when you feel hopeless and you pray, sometimes you feel more hopeful? Just being in the presence of God in prayer now, I, I will confess to you, and perhaps I'm too liberal with my failings and shortcomings, but prayer is one of the places that I have struggled the most consistently through my entire Christian life. It, it, it's, it's something that I sometimes I think to myself, well, would God really care about something this insignificant? And then I have to go back to the scriptures and read where he cares about every hair on our head, right? And, and every sparrow that falls and those kind of things. Or I think to myself, well, haven't I prayed about this before? I don't want to bother God. And then I remember the persistent widow. And, you know, it's just something that I, I wrestle with and struggle with on a personal level. A lot of times, by the way, if you ask me to pray for you, and I don't want this to discourage you in any way, I'm likely to just stop and pray with you right now because I don't want to say I'm going to do something and then forget. <laughs> so just Pray. But we're in Walmart. Well, it's not going to hurt anybody. Let's do it, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, why not? But, but we need to be faithful in prayer because that also helps us to stay hopeful. And by the way, I'll, I'll tell you the wisdom of Dean Goodfellow, and I hope he, he gets to hear this because he'll, he'll probably forget. You know, preachers say a lot of things that they forget they've said that mean things to people. And Sunday school teachers and youth pastors end up in the same situation. Remember when you said such and such once upon a time? No, I don't have a clue. I hope it was something good. In this case, it is definitely something good. Pastor Dean said, People ask me a lot of times, Pastor, how do you handle all the things that people place on your shoulders? And he says, Very simply, I just roll them all onto Jesus. He's got better shoulders than I do, and he can handle these things. Now, is it that simple? Yes, and no, I understand. It may seem a little bit oversimplified, but, but let me ask you would you rather be the one carrying all your burdens? <laughs> In Galatians, Paul talks about how the church is meant to bear each other's burdens. And Jesus says to, 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 to take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'd much rather have the light and easy burden than my own burdens. Romans 15, 4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. These things are written So we can go back and we can see the failings of Israel before us. So we can see the successes of God's people before us. And so we can have endurance and encouragement in the age that we're in. And Paul's writing to the people in Rome, which is one of the darkest places in the world, even though it's one of the most prosperous places in the world during his day. And he tells them, he says, look to the scriptures and look to one another for hope. Because ultimately what? We're waiting for Christ. We're waiting with a confident expectation. Here's what I'm challenging you with this morning. Boy, I sure hope that they pull out of this in the, in the, in the last inning here, right? That kind of a hope? Is that the kind of hope you have that Jesus is going to return? Is it, is it doubles? double fingers crossed? Is that the kind of hope we have in Jesus? Or do we have an enduring, rock solid, anchored hope that God is who He says He is and He's going to do what He says He does? That's the kind of hope that gets us through a pandemic. That's the kind of hope that gets us through difficulties. That's the kind of hope that God's people are to have. So I challenge you, encourage you in an unjust and broken world to have hope. God has not looked the other way. He's not occupied like Baal at Mount Carmel. He's right in the middle of this mess with us, sustaining us. Let's pray together. Lord, I ask that right now if there is anyone here that does not know the hope that only your son can give, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that for those of us that are believers, that we may be reminded of the fact that, that hope does not disappoint us, Lord, because these trials do bring character that brings hope because you are eternal and gracious and a great God. You're going to see us through to the end. We ask, Lord, for your help in these days and in every day. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd stand and sing with us, and if God has spoken to your heart this morning, you come.